Alright, welcome to Pardon the Confusion. My name is David Arnold. I'm the guest host tonight. Uh, my dad, Paul Arnold, normally runs the show here. Uh, he's out for the night and not feeling well. Right, get, get better, Dad. Uh, you, you got a long week ahead of you. Anyways, tonight I've got Ernest Watts, the other main guy from Pardon the Confusion. I'd say if there's two main characters... Uh, to this podcast, it's definitely my dad, Paul Arnold, and Ernest, um, the other guy who's often confused. Ernest, how you doing tonight? Pretty good. You know, if this was a TV show, they'd call this a very special episode. Yes, a very special Or, or, or one-off without the main character. Yeah, the one you want to skip if you're trying to binge watch. But that's, that's it, that's it. Because you know already, you know, it's like they introduced the star at the beginning and he hands it off. The Simpsons did this a couple of weeks ago where it was all about Chalmers and uh, Skinner, the entire episode. And Homer had one line in it. It's like, I was very disappointed. So hopefully you, the audience, won't be disappointed. Yeah, you know, it's like any TV show. A star gets too big and they have to leave for like a season so they can go film a movie. Uh, my dad's doing something cool like that, I'm sure. But probably making wallets, leather wallets, which if you didn't know... By now, which I'm sure, why would you guys know? My dad has started making really cool wallets out of baseball gloves. And it is the, the most awesome thing ever. For Christmas, he turned a Ken Griffey Jr. glove uh, into a wallet. And it's got Ken Griffey Jr.'s uh, autograph on it. Of course, that was my very first glove growing up was a Ken Griffey Jr. one because he's the coolest guy from my generation growing up. Uh, Ernest, who who's your favorite baseball player from from your days as a kid? Is it Brooks Robinson? And your father made one for me out of a Brooks Robinson. Oh no way! Whoa. Wow! Yes, he did. Wow! He went on eBay and found a Brooks Robinson with the autograph in leather, and it's it's I I got it in the mail today, and I'm just so grateful for it. Now, the problem is we're turning into a cashless society, so wallets will become a thing of the past. So your dad's a little bit behind the curve there. Well, I'll tell you, the, the, wallet, the wallet he made me actually isn't like a traditional wallet. It's just a card-carrying wallet. So I can't even fit cash in it. So it's actually perfect. <laughs> it, can uh, only, it only fits my cards. Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's nice. Yeah, it's great. It's great. But my problem is I always keep change in mind and, like, wears out in my wall. I go through walls real fast. Like, but I, I'm really shocked and, and I'm glad that your dad's new hobby is this and he's not sending something illegal through the mail. So yeah. we're grateful for that. Oh, you didn't check the other pocket in, in the wall. I didn't check the, yeah. no, no, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't try to see if I can do something with the wall. No, no, it's all listen. If the DA is listening, it's perfectly clear. It's all right. Yes. Link, no link. Um, yeah, it, Made it, it, nothing else. One issue my dad's ran, run into that I know, and I'm sure he might have spoken about it already. Um, he's ordering all these. He's looking for really cheap gloves on eBay for the leather and the autograph, the signature on the inside. But a couple of the gloves he's ordered have come back, and they've been really cheap, and they're brand new gloves. And my dad just cannot, he does not have the heart to cut them apart and turn them into wallets. So I think my dad is secretly stashing up. Um, a series of gloves, I don't know, so he can play softball, come out of retirement, and, and have a bevy of gloves to use. Anyways, we're kind of off topic, although it is about sports. Um, well, you know, if you can find my brother's old wallet, uh, excuse me, my old brother's old baseball glove, because it was very unusual, 
It was my brother's right, uh, left-handed catcher. Dad, he throws left-handed. Uh-huh. And it was a, uh, we gave him a right-handed glove with Whitey Ford's autograph on it. And the strange thing about it is Whitey Ford is left-handed. So why would he sign a right-handed glove? We could never figure that out. But we digress. This is a great month, though, because we've got all four sports. This is like October. We have all four sports going on. Because we have yeah. uh, FCS football, we have hockey, we have basketball, uh, we have baseball spring training, and we have the tournament coming up, David. That's right. That's right. So baseball started, so we're allowed to have a free pass talking about the gloves. But it's, it's college basketball season. This is my favorite time of the year. Uh, basketball is definitely my first love, my first passion. Being five foot nine, kind of a... Uh, Ruined those dreams for me a long time ago, but I still love the game. I officiate high school basketball. Uh, I watch all the college basketball I can take in. This is easily my favorite time of the year, and we were robbed of it last year. You know, the tournament was canceled because of COVID, um, so it's good to have it back. You know, as a Michigan fan, I'm feeling pretty great despite the Illinois game the other night. Uh, I mean, I haven't seen a team this talented in Ann Arbor, I guess, in like three years. <laughs> we, we've been pretty spoiled randomly. We're basketball school now. Um, you over there in the state of North Carolina, there, there's a lot of turmoil going on with, with both of the Blue Bloods. Uh, so, Ernest, what are the things you're most excited about as we are heading into March? We're now on the fourth day of March. Uh, as this podcast goes out, it's going to be March 4th. Uh, the tournament's coming up really quickly. The conference tournament's coming up next weekend. Um, secretly, you know, really almost just as exciting as March Madness, really. Um, what are the things you're most excited about going into the tournament this year? Well, you know, some of the tournaments started yesterday. Some of the smaller tournaments. Oh, the Horizon League, I guess, w- was that the first round? I just thought it was a, yeah. a, a series yeah. of Horizon games. Wow, if you guys didn't see the Horizon League... I guess it was round one of their tournament. I just saw the scores. Couldn't believe it. Um, they had two overtime games, one double overtime game, and a regular uh, regulation game decided by one point uh, all on their first night of their conference tournament. So that was pretty spectacular. Yeah. Well, not only that, what's going to make these tournaments especially interesting is for the non-Big Five, conferences if a team wins the tournament and gets the automatic bid and gets three positive COVID tests the team that came in second or lost the tournament championship game will replace them as the automatic bid that's right we're we're taking madness and we're mixing it with a little bit of craziness uh, and unpredictability uh, yes, and there's also the story that was coming out, you know, probably some clickbait headlines. How Duke could miss the tournament and still end up with a number one seed. Or same with Kentucky, for that matter. Uh, you know, if you're a first four team out and, and a team that makes it as an at-large, um, makes the tournament and test has, I think I think the thing is, they have to at least have five eligible players to stay in right. the tournament. If they don't have five eligible players... And they received an at-large bid within the first three days of announcing the NCAA tournament selection. Um, one of the first four teams out will replace them. Doesn't matter what seed they are. Uh, that could be pretty crazy. Let's let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, 
But yeah, well, it's all it will. I mean, when you're talking about 68 teams, yeah, and the cancellations we've had in the regular season, even though it looks like nationwide we're, we're taking a turn, and you've got two states which are going back to normal as of Friday, uh, Mississippi and Texas. Statistically <laughs> speaking, you're going to have teams that that are going to have COVID problems. I think I think the, you have a number one seed go out and be replaced by one of those, and they would retain that seed. You they, would not have just the seed be, because they, of because of sports yeah, betting. It's like Baylor, yeah, and Baylor had three weeks where they had to sit out because of COVID testing. Let's say COVID. I mean, I'm just picking Baylor just as random. Let's say COVID has less than four eligible players. Then they could be replaced by a Syracuse Duke. or Georgia Tech. It's going to be Duke. They'll have that number one seeding. Yeah, which would be pretty, pretty wild. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's the only thing they can do. They're not going to move around the seeds, you know, like you would kind of expect them to, just because of sports betting. Uh, they want people to turn in their their brackets the first day the the brackets are released and not have to worry about refilling out their brackets. There's too much money at stake. You know, for a nonprofit, the NCAA makes sure uh, they cover their their costs financially. Uh, They're a nonprofit in name only. Yes, okay. always, of course. You get, you get a billion dollars from TNT, TBS, and CBS every year just to broadcast the tournament, not the regular season games. Yeah, but the tournament. You're a nonprofit, like a you know, like the Catholic Church. Okay? And always remember, college basketball is the NCAA's cash cow because, in actuality, the college football playoff is not run by the NCAA. Uh, it's its own private entity. Uh, the NCAA has actually never crowned a college football champion. That's a random, but true fact. The NCAA doesn't crown national champions in football. They let other people do it for them. Anyways, that's way off the grid. So there's craziness going on in March Madness. Team-wise, though, Ernest, I got to ask you, you know, things are pretty good up here in Michigan. They just have to win one of their last three games, two of which are against Michigan State, who is looking hot right now. So eh, who knows? But I'm feeling pretty confident about Michigan. They're at least going to be a one seed. Uh, maybe a two if they lose the rest of their games. I mean, they are secure. I think they're one. They're as secure think, as secure could be, right? So I think, yeah, I think if you look at past history, when a team is that strong, and even if they lose in the first round of the, their conference tournament, they usually retain the seed. Yeah, so I'm, I think Baylor, Baylor, and, and Michigan are pretty set. Ohio State could drop out. Right now, the projection is Gonzaga, Michigan, Baylor. Uh, Illinois. I think Illinois, Illinois probably secured it with that win over Michigan. Right? I mean, I, two great teams. I'm antsy with them and Ohio State. I mean, uh, it, either one can slip in there. Mm-hmm. You know, if, I mean, I, if Iowa makes a, a Big Ten uh, conference tournament run, they could even slip in there. The Big Ten is just crazy deep this year. But there's trouble brewing in Tobacco Road, Ernest. I got to ask you, you're you're on the scene down there in North Carolina. Um, the University of North Carolina is struggling. Um, yeah. Can't win on the road. Can't win on the road. Duke uh, is struggling a little bit less so since um, they lost 
the five-star freshman who quit on the team, uh, Jalen Johnson. Two overtime games. Yes. So lost tell me. To Tech, lost to Louisville. Ernest? Right now, if they lose to Carolina, they'd have a 500 record. Right now, Duke's not going to be in tournament. Carolina's projected to be a 10 seed. Florida State is the best team in the conference. They're just very, very deep. They don't play that well on the road either. But the big issue is it's been so long since out-of-conference games have been played back in December, and so few of them were played. It's, it's conferences have pretty much played themselves, so it's kind of hard to judge. Now, you know, the Big 12 and the, and the, the Big 10 have been – outstanding i mean they've got the better teams but you're right the blue bloods the the duke and carolina and kentucky and uh michigan state and i think a lot of this has to do with the shortened time in a lot of these have freshman guards yeah and i think the inability to practice and learn to play with the other teammates has inhibited these teams quite a bit what I think you always see you always see in the NCAA tournament, experienced guard play is normally what wins out. Unless there's just an outstanding freshman who just blows everyone out of the water. I mean, even the Zions of the world, they don't they normally don't win national titles. Carmelo Anthony is is really the one that sticks out. But you think of Kemba Walker, Shabazz Napier, um, Trey Burke was in that list. Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's typically Ty Lawson was on that list. It's always going to be experienced point uh, guards. Guy from Virginia. Uh, um, I mean, Kyle Guy. Oh yeah, Kyle Guy. D Brown. I mean, you can pretty much any Final Four team for the past twenty years normally has veteran, junior, senior point guards who who lead the way. Um, you know who that describes as the favorite. Well, Wisconsin's whole team is about twenty-five years old, but they're Taylor. they're oh, yes, Taylor. okay, yes. You got you got Mitchell, and and they've got four guards. The only thing that worries me about Baylor is they're not a tall team. Gonzaga has the same problem, but uh, I mean, Vital is is their center, and he's six four. You really just have to pray you don't have Florida State in in your side of the bracket. That's it. You, this, this, <laughs> is the year, this is the year when a lower seed – I mean, the last time a, a, an eight seed won was Villanova against Georgetown. That was 82. I could see this year uh, even a 10 seed winning it. I mean, this is going to be – especially when you put COVID, you put the concept that they're all going to be playing all the games in the state of Indiana – uh, the fact that you could have reseeding due to COVID and take out favorites. This is the year when, you know, the last time this happened was, and you mentioned Shabazz Napier and that Connecticut team. That was the last surprise team to win a tournament. Yeah. Because I remember watching them one week before the tournament and going, this team won't even get in the tournament. They got hot. They won the Big East tournament. Uh, and, and, they actually won the whole thing, and that's that's another thing. You look when you look at a heavy favorite team, you're looking at a team with senior guards and junior guards. You're looking at a team that gets hot at the right time, and and they're compressing this schedule so much because 
the Elite Eight games will be played the Monday and Tuesday after the Sweet 16. They're really pushing this together. So teams literally are going to have to play four games in eight days after the first round. All I know is I am so excited for this because I totally agree this is going to be something unlike anything else we've ever seen. These are true neutral site games. You know, the University of Indiana isn't going to be playing in the tournament. Doubt Butler is. Um, Purdue might slip in. Purdue might slip in. But other than that, you know, typically the top seeds get to play. Duke always gets to play in Greensboro, um, et cetera, et cetera. This year, it's all, it's all in one spot. It is going to be as neutral as neutral can get um, with the condensed but schedule. But is the star factor missing, David? Well, I mean, we usually have a big groups of stars. I is, mean, has this ever been a year? Can you name the All American team? Okay, no, but Luke Garza is is the All American team. <laughs> uh, jokes aside, but he's, he's not in, he may not even be a first round draft pick. Well, I I agree. Is Oklahoma State still appealing their postseason ban? Are they technically eligible for the postseason no, this year? No, they're banned. They they so lost the because star is going to be sitting. They, they were appealing last I knew. I didn't know if they lost it or not. Uh, as, long, as, long as, as long as they're appealing, they can still play in the NCAA tournament. So I don't know. But Kate Cunningham yeah, is the, the guy. The danger is they could get halfway through and have that appeal denied, and then you get back to a replacement. See, I, th- I think if they're eligible, which I think as of this moment they might still be, I want to see Kate Cunningham. That's he is the guy. I am hoping the Pistons win the lottery this year. I would love to see him and Sadiq Bay uh, together one day, and then Imani Bates in two years after he skips Michigan State and, and goes straight to the pros. Um, which let's switch to the NBA in just a minute. But Cade Cunningham is the guy I want to see. I've seen enough of Luke Garza. Um, the star potential is really lacking this year. But the one thing, Ernest, I think people are going to be so starved. For March Madness, because we didn't get it last year. People are going to watch no matter what. It's going to be fun. Say, I mean, there's there's talent out there. Yeah. It's just, I don't know why. I mean, Butler and Mitchell are both going to be NBA players out of Baylor. Crispin is the, probably the best shooting player out of Gonzaga. Suggs is a very physical point guard for Gonzaga. I think people will turn. I think people will tune in to see Suggs and also Ernest. You're talking about star power. I think Gonzaga, because this is the first year they're really genuinely the favorite to win the national title. Gonzaga still has that feel that I think maybe Duke had in maybe the early '90s of the new blue blood program, right? The the new program that's fun i mean you either love or hate them but i still think i think most people love gonzaga still you know they haven't they haven't won too much where people hate them uh unless you're a fan of a team in, in their same conference um i think people will tune in to see gonzaga potentially win a title right i think that is something people will tune in to because gonzaga my whole childhood was the cinderella team right the cinderella team and mark few has just elevated them to a whole new level um Kind of like UConn, maybe in the '90s as well as those those upstart blue blood programs that that are now officially taking it to the next level. I think people will definitely tune in to see them if they are able to make it to a Final Four. Um, also, there's going to be some underdogs. I think you're totally right. If there's ever going to be a 12-5, you know, type of year, you can probably 
put it in marker that that one of the twelves is going to be a five, like always. But especially let, this let year. Let me tell you my problems with Gonzaga. Okay, they have the s- similar problems that Baylor. They are very very small. Timmy, who's probably got the best footwork for a center I've seen since Kevin McHale, he may be 6'9". Suggs is a freshman, and that worries me. Crispin, he's a great shooter, but he can – he reminds me of Joe Harris with the Nets. When he's on, he's on, but he's streaky in that extent. I mean, they've, they've run 10 men deep. But a big a matchup against a an Illinois or a Michigan would cause them problems because of the big men in the middle. You know, try, trying to avoid my Michigan bias, but I'm going to go there now because people will tune in to see Michigan as well because they they have one of those fan bases, right? I think one of the larger ones like a Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera, uh, where there's just a lot of people that that tune in and watch. Um, they they are one of the few teams. They are ranked fifth in offensive efficiency this year, and I think third in defensive defensive efficiency. You know, when you're talking about you know switching to the NBA right quick, you can always tell who the real contenders are if they're the top ten in offensive efficiency and the top ten in defensive efficiency. And and in the NBA, you're elite if you're in the top five in both. You're pretty much guaranteed a final spot if you're if you're in that kind of position. So Michigan being as elite as they are on both the offensive side and the defensive side really excites me. Yeah, you know, I'm trying I'm trying to not look ahead, but also Juwan Howard's coaching acumen has just been incredible. Right, he's the obvious coach of the year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Considering Michigan, yeah, but he's doing it with Beeline's recruits. Yeah, I know he's got a number one class coming in next year. Yes, he year, does. But but he is doing with Beeline's well, guys. Well, let's one thing. Fra- Franz Wagner, you know, uh, Moritz Wagner's little brother, actually didn't commit to Michigan until Juwan Howard was there. Actually, funny story. Franz uh, Wagner. Wagner, which they're going to talk about a ton during the tournament. He was on his official visit to the University of Michigan when John Beeline took the head coaching job in Cleveland. Franz got into Ann Arbor, and Beeline went to Cleveland on the same exact day. So his official recruiting trip, Michigan didn't have a head coach. Um, Juwan came in, locked him up as a recruit. He also brought in Hunter Dickinson, which was a Juwan Howard recruit, who was Definitely freshman of the year, I think, in the Big Ten. Um, you know, he, he's a 21-year-old freshman, so that's that's something. Um, he might be 20, but he's almost 21. He's, he's an older freshman. Um, he's going to be at Michigan forever, by the way. Right? He, I don't think he, I don't think he's athletic enough to be an early draftee in the NBA. And by year four of Hunter Dickinson at Michigan, you're going to be like, I think this guy's been here about as long as Tyler Hansborough was at North Carolina. Right, it's gonna feel like that. It's gonna be one of those yeah, guys. But, but I can see him. See, the problem is the NBA has changed. The, the big centers like him, you really don't see them getting drafted that high. Anymore. That's why he's gonna be at Michigan for four years, and I'm gonna enjoy yeah. every second of it. I'm not gonna complain at all. Um, and yeah. then they've also got a same thing with the kid in Illinois too. I mean, it's the same thing. I just want to point out right quick, Ernest, also, they've got a starting guard, Shawty Brown, who's a transfer from Wake Forest, who has been amazing. And 
Also, their starting point guard, um, Mike Brown, Mike Smith. I'm losing my mind very quick. Mike Brown. Um, transferred from Columbia. Oh. So, yeah, but, but Livers is... Yes. Is I mean, he Livers has been there. He was a true freshman starting uh, for Beeline in the national title game. Actually, Ernest, do you know Isaiah Livers came off the bench the first half of his freshman season? Michigan was struggling. Coach Beeline said, hey, Isaiah Livers, you're going to start. Do you know the player that Isaiah Livers replaced in the starting lineup for that national title Michigan team? Boy. This is a fun one. He doesn't play for the net. It doesn't play for Cleveland now, does he? He didn't have a major no, liberal. No. Right? Isaiah Livers benched NBA player Miami Heat superstar Duncan Robinson. Halfway through the season. Duncan Robinson was a starter on Michigan's basketball team that year. Halfway through the season, Isaiah Livers benches him. Wally pips him. Uh, Isaiah Livers has never stopped starting since, and Duncan Robinson didn't start another game at the University of Michigan. Uh, And then he went on to start for the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals, however that works. Uh, But anyways, fun, fun fact of the day that doesn't matter at all. Well, now we got to give a little equal love to Illinois because that was a big win without yeah. their best player. I know. Player. They didn't even have their best player. Brad Underwood did a great job of, of putting Michigan in a corner. He talked crap about Michigan all week long, saying they don't respect. You know, they, don't, they, didn't, they wanted to avoid us. They were avoiding us. They were avoiding us. We're going to honor our COVID postponed games. Michigan didn't. But we're going to play them anyways. We think it's unfair. And the Michigan fan base thought, hey, Michigan's going to rally around this. We're going to beat Illinois. But turned out to be the other way. Illinois is so talented. And they were clearly ready to show Michigan what they were made of. Um, they whooped. is just an east at, at, at center. Yeah. And with Dashumu out, uh, Cuebo came in through, and Frazier, both of them kind of replaced him very well. I mean, that's a deep team. They are talented. And they are genuinely so talented. Yeah. I mean, the, to me, they're a better team than Ohio State. But like I said, it, and it's it's been one of those strange years, because to be honest with you, I, I haven't seen that much of Houston. I haven't seen that much of, of, of Arkansas with Mobley. And I haven't, you know, I've seen Alabama, who's some great guard play. That's a dark horse. Look out for Alabama. Tennessee, which has a really quirky team because the, the top eight players for Tennessee are all left-handed. <laughs> and they got Deion Johnson, who's a top ten lottery pick as a freshman. I'll tell you. And Springer at point guard, who's also considered a first-round draft pick also. You're talking about Alabama. Nate Oates, the head coach at Alabama, man, if – I could see him coaching on Tobacco Road one day. I could see him coaching at uh, UCLA. You know, name the Blue Blood program that Nate Oates wants. He can pick it. Wherever it is, he's going to be able to pick any top college basketball job he wants in the next decade. He's got major Brad Stevens vibes about him. I genuinely think he might be the the biggest hot shot up-and-coming coach since Brad Stevens was at Butler. Um, just seeing what he did at Buffalo. Um, you know, he's from the, the local Michigan area by me, uh, turned turned a high school program into a powerhouse, and then went to Buffalo and did the same. And 
He's at Alabama doing great things. I mean, just just yeah, a top, great, top, top coach. Great backcourt of Petty and Quinley. I mean, that's and, and look out for Auburn, too, even though Auburn probably is going to be on probation. Yeah, the I'll, Bruce Pearl way. <laughs> Wouldn't expect yeah, anything else. Bruce Pearl does the same thing everywhere yes. he goes. But again, it's, it's an open tournament. USC, spe- speaking of you know, big, shiny programs on probation a lot, USC, Southern California – um, Andy Enfield, Enfield uh, one of the nominees for Coach of the Year. They're looking great uh, with, with Evan Mobley as one of their stars. He's supposed to be a top five lottery pick as a yeah. big man. Yeah. All right, Ernest, let's move over to the NBA. I think we've talked enough about college basketball. The All-Star break is here. Um, the, the dunk contest is coming up soon. Three-point contest is coming up soon. What are your initial thoughts Coming into the halfway point of this season. Oh. Big picture. So far? Big picture. Big picture. What are what are the biggest what are the, the two biggest surprises and what are the two biggest disappointments for this year? And if you need a minute, I can go ahead and start for you. Well, I you know, there's this big experiment in Brooklyn. That's that's one thing that we're looking at. I think Philadelphia is a lot better. I'm, I think a bit disappointment has been the Celtics. I mean, you know, the, Danny Ainge has been hoarding draft picks and swapping out, and and you know he's made some he he made some deals for some draft picks at the time. He had Memphis's pick, what he thought was going to be a lottery. He didn't know that Memphis would get better, and and it just it you know I know locally you know uh, Scary Terry Rozier kind of got swapped out for Kemba. And it looks like Kimba's breaking down, and, and listeners to this podcast knows my rule about being big money to guys over the age of 30, be that running backs or point guards. Hey there, Blake Griffin, Russ Westbrook, Kimba. Yeah, that deal set up to send Gordon Haywood to um, Indiana. Indiana for uh, uh, Miles Turner, Turner. yeah, and, and Dougie McDuggets. Doug McDermott. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, they Trump really made an offer sheet and they got an $8 million tra- trade exception. But uh, the old Kevin McHale used to talk about uh, what good is salary cap? I can't put a jersey on salary cap. I can't play salary cap. So Boston is, is like I said, uh, Phoenix is better than I thought they would be. Uh, Utah's been a surprise. And, and we're kind of wondering. With Utah, are we seeing something that we used to see with Houston, a team built for the regular season as opposed to the playoffs? I think with Utah, for me, I see Utah as as very similar to what the Raptors built in Toronto pre uh, Kawhi Leonard, right? So, so similar to what you're saying. I mean, just a team that that is turning into a consistent. Night in, night out, regular season champion. Do they have the one superstar killer who can get them over the hill? You know, Toronto had DeMar DeRozan for all those years, who was the guy. Um, and honestly, you can even draw parallels between uh, Lowry and Mike Conley. Uh, you know, Rudy Gobert adds a whole new dimension, which really, you know, maybe in an off year, uh, another thing this Utah Jazz team reminds me of. Just the way they're built, uh, similar-ish to the 2004 Detroit Pistons, where you, you've got a, a star defensive center, 
can you win a title with with a center who is that limited offensively? Usually no. But you know, in a really weird year, if the dominoes fall the right way, if Anthony Davis is hurt in the playoffs, why not the Utah Jazz? Right? It, it it's one of those things that will require all the dominoes to fall uh, in the right place. You, you know, for for the Pistons in 2004, the Lakers were coming off the three-peat. Kobe and Shaq hated each other. Uh, they decided to go all in with with old Carl Malone and old Gary Payton, um, and, and things were just a little toxic in L.A. And Detroit was just so cohesive as a team. You could see, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, just really strong players if all the pieces fit. Uh, there might be a chance. Who's that? The late '90s, early 21st century Indiana Pacers. Ah. Yes. Uh, Great guard play, limited, not so mobile center, some big hefty guys at forward, some three-point shooting. Rick Smith? Very good in the regular season. Was Rick Smith the center for the Indiana Pacers? I'm even thinking, you know, after Smith left, and who's the guy from Georgetown they had? The big stiff guy that all could do is block shots. And they had Lance Stevenson who would blow in. Oh, uh, oh you're talking about the late. I thought you meant the late 90s Pacers. You're talking about the late 2000. Roy Hibbert. You're talking about the Roy, Roy Hibbert, Hibbert, Lance Stevenson. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Yes. That's, that's the team because to Paul me, George. Hibbert was that yeah. same type. Okay. Yep. Yep. But Frank yeah, Vogel, little, head coach of the Lakers now. I got a little trivia for you. All right. Bring it. You know, Mike Conley is statistically speaking all time the NBA. The most productive player that has never been named to an all-star team. Yes. Yes. Popular talking point this week, and they couldn't find a way to slip him in this year, which is pretty disappointing considering they gave a spot to uh, Arvidas Sabonis, or his son. Yeah. Arvidas is the only guy ever to have a 20-10-5. 20 point, average 20 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Never to be not to be named an All Star team this season. Uh, Arvidas Savonis never made an All Star team. I mean, no, his his son. Uh, uh, yeah, starts with a D. I'm gonna mispronounce. Oh, Demontis Savonis. Demontis, who finally made the team. Yes, yes. Because of injuries. Yeah, I would. I, you know, and to me, that's a useless argument about who should have made. I mean, you're limited to 12 spots. I, I would like to see Mike Conley I get. Bama Bayo should have been there instead of Butler. Yeah, well, no, Butler missed it as well. Butler and and um, Butler got named in as a replacement. Oh, did he? Um, yeah. I it does, it would not bother me for a second if Mike Conley got um an honorary All Star spot next year or whatever, whenever his final year is. In the NBA, it wouldn't bother me at all. Legacy All Star, because the All Star spots are, are are there in meaning alone. I guess sometimes there's salary bonus initiatives, yeah. incentives. But will you watch? Will you watch any of it? No, I I have zero interest in the All Star game. I mean, absolutely zero. I'll watch some oh. highlights, but man, like halfway through the first quarter, you're just like, oh, here's. All I will say, the addition of the um, oh, the fourth quarter rule. Where, where it's the first team to score 21 points more than the leading team, I think that's a great addition. I think that's a really well, cool way to end basketball games. Uh, too gimmicky. I mean, that rewards the offense, not the defense. The only one that I usually watch, 
and because it's a great way to spotlight players that you don't get to see that much is the the Young Stars All-Star Game, yes. which they name rosters, but they're not going to play the game. And I, the irony is uh, all the – supposedly all the, the profits are going to HBCUs. Uh-huh. And there's only one player, and it's one of the guys in the three-point shooting. I mean, Robert Covington is the only person who's actually from an HBCU in the entire All-Star whether it's the dunk tournament, three-point shooting skills, or the all-star team, which is kind of a, a kind of a, a, a big difference because the NFL is full of guys from HBCUs. A lot of them playing in the NFL. I'm, I was shocked to hear that there's so few in the NBA. Yeah, uh, I think, well, the NBA, there's just so such fewer players who play, right? And, and the NBA... You just you have the elite talent, and then you just don't have anywhere else on the roster. When you think about it, there's so many roster spots in the NFL to fill, and you have to think about college athletics. You have to recruit so many people. There's always going to be players that slip through. And actually, it's really funny you mentioned that because I was reading, you know, the University of Texas is in really hot water right now. We don't need to go too deep into it, but basically they're boosters are are in a fight with the players of the football team because of the racist um, University of Texas so- fight song. The Eyes of Texas. Yes, are the Eyes Texas. of Texas. So, um, the melody is, I've been working on the railroad. Yeah. So, so anyways, so they're in a big kerfuffle. And I was reading about you know the state of Mississippi has obviously had similar problems, which we don't need to go into. But uh, one thing... I was reading Stephen Godfrey, who's a writer, a college football writer, was talking about the best players from the state of Mississippi very rarely actually go to the University of Mississippi, Ole Miss, or Mississippi State. And for a long time, even uh, post-segregation, the best players in Mississippi either went to Southern Miss, Alabama, or they'll go to an HBCU around there. And, and you're talking about there's almost more Hall of Famers that went to HBCUs than there are Hall of Famers that went to Ole Miss or Mississippi State. And it's no coincidence there. Um, anyways, that, that's just something to think about. I don't well, well one, one closing statement on that is my sister lives in Texas. And right now most of the state doesn't have water or heat or power, so I'm glad they're really interested in the important parts yes. about a song at the University of Texas. Maybe they should deal with their energy problems, okay? <laughs> but let me ask you a quick question, David. Have you had an opportunity to watch uh, the Unite, uh, which is the uh, uh, G League team full of college prospects? Yeah, so I have watched bits and pieces, no full games, but I am genuinely encouraged by how well they are competing, and I'm really shocked by how much it seems like they're enjoying their experience. And really, Adam Silver, if this really takes off, he should get all the credit in the world for making the D-League a conducive environment, the G-League, G-League, yeah, G-League, a conducive environment for these players to really evolve as professionals. Uh, You know, Isaiah Todd hit a game-winning shot the other night, a former Michigan commit who decided to go the G League route. Um, you've got a lot of great talent there. Uh, a lot Jay of great Green, talent. Who's a six-five point guard? 
Uh, you've got Dashawn Nix, who's a 6'5 point guard. They've got two great point guards, both 6'5, pro size to that extent. Also, Kamonga, who's Kam- about 6'8. He's Kam- probably going to be a small forward. Kamonga seems like the guy who is probably r- rising up the draft boards the most due to his outstanding performances in the G League, which. I mean, he was already going to be a high lottery pick, but I think he's really asserting himself as maybe one of the guys in this year's draft. I mean, he's got that pro guard size 6'5". Knicks is a little heavy. I mean, they got him listed like 210, 215. He looks much bigger than me. Kamanga can handle the ball pretty good. I mean, they, they look... I was surprised at how polished all four of them. Now, they've got some some veterans. I know one of the guys playing with them has been in the NBA for a long time. His name escapes me. So they, they put – it's not just – the night team is not just college, what would be college freshmen. Right. They have, don't they have Jarrett Jack on the team? Yeah, Jarrett Jack. Jarrett Jack. I mean, what a great, great job by the NBA to surround those young players with true professionals who have been in the NBA – Consistently and have proven their, themselves as professionals, right? It is and they're in the bubble. Such a and great they're yes. They're in Orlando. They're in the bubble. So all they're doing is for from February to the end of March, they're playing, and not all the G League teams participate, but they're just playing there, and it's very similar to what the NBA uh, did last summer. But it's a great environment just to get there to teach. It's like a, it's play. like a private a private school just for professional basketball. I mean, it's really. An outstanding idea, and I hope, I would think they might want to continue the bubble idea with the G League uh, moving forward. Because I, you know, a lot of teams don't even play in front of crowds, anyways. Um, but one thing, Ernest, I got to go back to the All Star Game and the Rising Stars Challenge. You know, even though they're not going to be playing the Rising Stars game, I have a big, I have a beef, I have a beef with the. Uh, with the, the rosters they announced, i got to tell you the biggest miss by the Rising Stars Challenge, they missed my man Sadiq Bey from Detroit Pistons, Ernest. How can this be when rookie Sadiq Bey was named Eastern Conference Player of the Week two weeks ago? In, in the oh. most random Player of the Week award ever given, Sadiq Bey, who I think maybe went 8-for-8 eight eight from three-point range against the Boston Celtics, uh, is absolutely turning into uh, a, a real player. Um, misses the Rising Stars Challenge. Just a little yeah, complaint. I think, I think one problem is they limit it because they go to this uh, USA versus right. the world format. I, I'm Whereas just saying, I don't know how many Player of the Week awards Zion Williamson has gotten yet. Uh, or LaMelo Ball, for that matter. But here we are. Oh, LaMelo got... One, there's East Eastern Division and Western Division, and, and again, he's getting the, he's getting publicity. I mean, I say I say it in jest. It's a Saturday Night Live skit. Yes, like he was last week. Well, L- Lamelo really he, it's hard to watch him and not get excited because he genuinely has that look of someone special. I, just the way he plays the game, at, at his age, there's just a certain flair that shows how intelligent he is for a basketball player. I mean, genuinely an in, a beyond intelligent basketball player with a feel that you don't see many players ever have. You know, so so I am 
just as excited well, as you are for the hive. I heard a comparison this week that I went, yes. And they compared him to Penny Hardaway. Now, do you remember? Do you do you even remember Little Penny? I mean, <laughs> I I know of Penny only through highlights and a broken down version uh, later on in his career because his ju- he was just before my time. One of my first NBA memories, besides Michael Michael Jordan, right, is my childhood. I mean, I was born in '91. Uh, I fell asleep to highlight videos of the Chicago Bulls win, winning NBA championships. Uh, their their back to back video from ninety one ninety two ninety two ninety three um, Sports Illustrated VHS tape is the video my dad would play for me to fall asleep every night as a kid. Um, so it's Michael Jordan, and then I remember Shaq going to the Lakers. It's like Shaq going to the Lakers was the first non Michael Jordan memory of the NBA that I have. 96, I was at the Olympics when yes. that happened. Yes. He was on the second dream team and they made the announcement in Atlanta. This was the week before the uh, explosion that took the life of uh, a young mother. But yeah, that was in Atlanta. That was summer of 96. and that that Because before that, there's a great little 30 for 30 that ESPN has. The magic was the team. You had Penny and you had Shaq, and management there. Uh, and again, the owner owned. I'm not going to diss the company owns, but but was a discount processing group, and they kind of uh, ultimately kind of strangled the money out of both of them, and, and wound up losing both Shaq. Is it is it the same owner whose family owns the Magic now? Uh, yes. So, so. The name of the arena would give it away, but I don't want to kill any possible future sponsorship. Uh, I, it, if my dad ever takes any sponsorships from the, the DeVos family, uh, I, you'll well, never see me on this podcast again. Well, our good friends at Country Sports Radio, I don't want to get them in trouble. Yes. But, uh, and that was a series that, that hung on the first game where Nick Anderson blew two free throws, and which destroyed his career. But that was a team with Dennis Scott, Nick Anderson, and it was it was an up and coming team. And they the owners decided to start cutting costs at a time when they were making a lot of money. But that was uh, that was you know them and, and the Hornets at that time were the popular teams because of the uniforms. The Magic had the pinstripe uniforms, and and except when they got uh, uh, Howard when they got back to the finals against the Lakers, they never really have kind of been uh, consistently mediocre ever since then. Well, they, they had prime Tracy McGrady. Um, and I think trading him for Steve Francis was a, was a low point there. And then they, they tried to rekindle the magic by trading for his cousin and Vince Carter. Um, yeah. Grant Hill. Don't forget Brent, they had Grant Hill. At one oh time. yeah. So they also had Ben Wallace because they traded Ben Wallace in that Remember deal. they were going to uh, bring in Grant Hill and Tim Duncan as free agents at the same time. No and way. they had, I was vacationing down there and they had billboards of Tim Duncan in a magic uniform all over town. They thought it was a done deal. And Tim Duncan agreed with it, went back pop and pop said, you'll never be in a final again. And and changed his mind, and stayed with the Spurs, and and got five championships out of the deal. Yeah, good. good the greatest power forward of all time. So, and at that time, 
Hill broke down physically and never was the same player anymore. Tough. Tough watch. It still amazes me to this day that Grant Hill was able to, I think very similar to what Derrick Rose is doing right now, Grant Hill was able to stay on in the NBA as just a veteran, great mind, great teammate for so long after his prime. I mean, he's he, his... like a baseball pitcher that was a fastball pitcher, David, that learned to throw junk. We're not, uh... More like uh, 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 Frank Tanata is a great example. Mm-hmm. That. The guys who threw high heat and were physically dominating, but at the end of their careers just exist on their smarts. Uh, Vince Carter is a great example of that. Yeah. Vince Carter played 21 years. Yeah, and I mean, the beginning of his career could, you know, take a quarter off the top of the backboard and leave 15 cents change. <laughs> and remade himself into a veteran that could hit three-pointers to I, play 21 years. You know what's funny? I think you're seeing that happen with Carmelo Anthony right now. And Carmelo yeah. Anthony is actually one of the oldest players in the NBA at this point. I mean, he's he's one of the oldest, and, and yes, it took him a few years to accept his role, but now that he's you know coming off the bench as basically the Portland Trailblazers center, <laughs> he's he's playing a lot of four and five for Portland right now. But he's contributing, and he's having fun doing it. Um, I'm happy for him. That's just a random tidbit I wanted to throw in there. Ernest, let's let's focus in here. Uh, we talked about the All-Star game a little bit. We talked about the Rising Stars. We talked about the Orlando Magic. We talked about the Celtics. Uh, is is there anything else, any other team in the NBA? How, how do you think about the Lakers right now? Do you think they're going to be A-OK uh, and AD is going to come back AD healthy? Back. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, they're going to get AD back. They're not going to. LeBron's taking tonight. He's taking his first game off. I mean, they don't have to get home court advantage by no means. I mean, it's it's kind of the idea as long as they get healthy. That's the most important you know, thing. I, so, I have no doubt if, if AD does not have permanent damage, they're going to be the team to come out of the, the West. Since I mean, the start of February, LeBron James has averaged the most minutes in the NBA of any player at 36 years old. That is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, and you consider how, except for one season of the last 12, he's played the maximum amount of games that you could play in a season. And, and every, you worry about the wear and tear. And made the finals in every year except for yeah. the one season they didn't make the playoffs. <laughs> I mean. And, not, and be on the Olympic teams. And, and he was on the Olympic teams those years. Ernest, I, I just got to say it. LeBron James is just the most exceptional basketball player we've ever seen. He, just for the long, longevity, the amount of minutes he's been able to play, the consistency. I mean, Michael Jordan taking two years off in his prime compared to LeBron James playing in that many extra postseason games. Shoot, when Michael Jordan was in the NBA, they only had best of three and best of five playoff series until the very end there. I think of the, the extraordinary number of minutes LeBron James has played on the floor and to still be at that caliber is just Stupefying, right? I mean, stupefying. Yeah, I know. I know you're gonna say six and zero, but I just want to throw that in there. Your your millennial friend over here, just sticking it to you a little bit. Um, yeah, well, somewhere talking about Bill Russell, and and they'll say uh, eleven and two. So I mean, yes. there's always well, actually eleven and one because he didn't make the finals one year. 
It's it's just oh, it's all inspiring to see LeBron James. That's all. I mean, whether you want to compare oh, yeah. him to Michael I mean, Jordan or not, it's it's genuinely you know, all inspiring. Yeah. But I go back to a statement I made to your brother that Michael Jordan said years ago. Oh, my dad is going to be so flattered. You just called him that. So okay. flattered. He uh, he said years ago. Well, Michael Jordan said there'll be another Michael Jordan. There'll be another Pat Ewing. There'll be another Charles Barkley. But there'll never be another Muggsy Bogues. <laughs> and there'll be another LeBron. There'll be someone that comes in yes. and and take it a little bit higher. Well, I think uh, Amani Bates might be the next Kevin Durant. Uh, have you seen any highlights of Amani Bates play? Yes. Yet? Yes. But then you got to be careful, David, because every once in a while there was a kid from New York called Felipe Lopez. Yes. That back in the 80s was going to be the next Michael he Jordan. He was the first and next Michael Jordan, right? And he disappeared. Harold Miner, yeah. baby, baby Jordan, yeah. Miami Heat. I mean, I, I've seen guys, and it's the same with LeBron. I mean, they'll they'll be probably in my lifetime. I know in your lifetime, there'll be someone seven foot two who can handle the ball like a guard and distribute. His name's Kevin Durant. Now, <laughs> look yes. at Wiseman for Golden State. He hits yeah. threes regularly, but. Durant, I mean, he's six nine, and, yes. and he handled the ball and played defense. Guys are getting bigger. Well, you know, they, are, they say Kevin Durant is really seven foot tall, but he's he's always told everyone to refer to him as six foot nine because he when he was being recruited in high school, he didn't want to be labeled as a center. That's Bill. Bill Walton did the same thing. Yes. Bill Walton was seven one, but would tell everybody he was six eleven. Because there was a stigma to seven feeter, seven footers at that time. So a lot of guys have done. Usually, guys do the reverse. They lie, and they're a lot shorter than uh, the deal. Uh, the center for Baylor says he's six six, but he's really six four. I mean, look at Trey. I mean, Trey Young for the for the Atlanta Hawks. You're, you're talking about there might not ever be another Muggsy Bogues. Trey Young is like three inches taller than Muggsy Bogues. But he's definitely not six inches taller than Muggsy Bogues, like he says he is. Well, uh, that that was a disappointment of the Hawks, and, oh, and yeah. you know they're all coming out. That that I don't understand. Lloyd Pierce got fired. Uh, Collins has disappeared for some reason, and this is a kid I saw play at Wake Forest quite a bit. He's six eleven. He can run, jump, shoot the three. I mean, that's just a train he's wreck. He's got but attitude problems. Yeah. Well, I saw some of the guys they picked up. Off the free agents, you know, these pieces don't. Fit they don't. Fit. Oh, can let's right quick. The worst off season in a long time, miraculously, was not the Sacramento Kings. It was the Atlanta Hawks. So, first of all, signing Rajon Rondo, who was a below average player for the Lakers, a championship team until the playoffs. He turned it on in the playoffs. But if you think Rajon Rondo wasn't didn't show up at all during the regular season for a title contender, why are you paying him money to sit on the bench? For the Atlanta Hawks, what what kind of decision is that? Um, and then they paid Bogdanovich from Sacramento, who basically had to oh, let him golly. go. Um, he's been hurt most of the season. Um, they they paid Chris Dunn money to be trading get a starting job for for Chicago. And they he paid was him a lottery pick. And never started. Never. And he's been terrible. And he barely even plays for the Hawks now. They got they got uh, John Collins, who you said is a total head case, who wants to get paid. 
He, he's just looking for a paycheck. Got Trey Young, who's too little to guard anyone on defense, despite how good he is offensively. Um, but I take Collins in a heartbeat. I mean, the Hornets would take Collins in a heartbeat. I'd have that right now. I'd rather have Collins than Blake Griffin or uh, yes. Andre Drummond. I just don't know if I would for the for the amount of money he's going to cost, right? Because you're yeah. going to have to pay him for a long time. Um, but I see upside. And I don't see upside with Drummond, and certainly. Oh I mean, yeah, well Blake, yeah. Blake Griffin has tried to convert himself. He has made himself into a above average outside shooter but the injuries you just you just yeah. kind of we, want, we've talked another guy we're talking about who've been able to transform themselves over a period of time Blake Griffin's done that there there but, was there was a moment in time about a year and a half ago where Blake Griffin was legitimately playing like 85% of LeBron James he was playing the same position uh, positional responsibilities. He was shooting the three-point at the same rate as LeBron James was, and he was carrying the Pistons to like a six or a seven seed. Uh, for for about three-fourths of a season, he genuinely was playing as a LeBron James light. I mean, he was seriously at that level because he had transformed his game. He wasn't the dunker. He had to completely turn around, but you didn't watch him because he was playing for the Pistons, and then his body just kept on breaking down on him, and he, he hasn't been that guy. There was about a season and a half where he really did turn into that kind of guy, just without any any help around him whatsoever. Um, and now, you know, he's only got another year, I think, left on his contract. So, so if you can get him on the minimum, you know, as a buyout, I, I would take a shot. But he's pretty broken down now. Um, anyways, I, I I'm happy Blake didn't complain in his time in Detroit. I'll always respect him for that. He, he took it on the chin. He said he always tried his hardest with Detroit. There were never any attitude issues. It was all you could ask for a guy who played a decade in Los Angeles, signed up for a lifetime contract in Los Angeles, and they got traded out of nowhere uh, to cold, wintry Detroit. Um, I, I'll never say a bad word about him because he really... That, that brings up a good question. How did Stan Van Gundy get a job at New Orleans after that mess he made in Detroit? He shouldn't. He shouldn't. I mean, yeah. it put y'all in salary cap confusion. Made some strange decisions. I think the Blake Griffin trade came from the top. I think that was you – know, we got a brand-new owner around the same time Stan Van Gundy was hired, and I think he wanted a star. Um, anyways, yeah, I don't know. Stan Van Gundy, I, I think his rep is, is way over – exceeded his, his actual ability. But who knows? They've got That's a lot of time. His coaching job. Yeah. He was at Miami. He was at Orlando. He was at Detroit. Now he's at New Orleans. How does he keep getting jobs? Because people they like him. Brother. Yeah. Do they think he's Jeff? I think. Oh, well, th- Stan is pretty good on TV too. So, anyways, okay. Ernest, I think we're running out of time. As, oh, okay. As much as I enjoy talking basketball with you, we are officially an hour in. So. For my dad's sake, I think we should wrap this up. So if you want to have two good minutes to talk about anything you want, let's do it. Um, I did this last week. I'll do it again. Listen, you get a chance to watch FCS football. There's some really good football out there. Uh, North Dakota State, which had a winning uh, streak going back to 2017, uh, lost this week to uh, Western Illinois. Uh 
there's Mountain West Conference, the uh, Southern Conference, the Big South Conference. There's some great, if you just love football, it's on ESPN+. Plus. Take a chance. Watch some of that. Uh, during, you know, not going to have NBA this weekend. Uh, catch up on the NHL. Catch up on uh, FCS football. Watch a little college basketball. Listen, there's no shortage of sports out there. And, uh, you know, catch some uh, soccer. Unfortunately, David's Liverpool's having a rough, yes. rough season. But they're still champs until the end of the year. That's right. That's right. And their hopes in Europe are still alive and well. Um, so that's that's the thing. That's the nice thing about soccer is there's always something else to win. You know, it's kind of like college basketball where you've got preseason tournaments and you've got the conference tournament and then you have the NCAA tournament. In soccer, there are five or six trophies you can win. So that's, that always at least I think keeps the hope alive for, for fans instead of being in the NBA where you're like the Pistons and you're stuck in purgatory for 20 years. Um, so another plus for soccer. I'll just go ahead and plug it in right there. I was going to talk about college football because this past week, I don't know if anybody saw this, but the University of Idaho was playing a college football game. And I cannot remember. The opponent wasn't Eastern Washington, was it? Um, uh, yes, it was. It was Eastern the Washington. Of the famed red turf. Yes, Eastern Washington is, is home of the famed bright red football turf. The University of Idaho, the Kibbe Dome, is famous for their indoor football stadium. And their indoor football stadium, if you've ever seen a... Everyone knows what a silo looks like. Imagine a silo tipped on its side. Kind of like a, an airport hangar, I guess. It's probably what it actually is. An old black army uh, covering. Yeah, army yeah, an old army covering. Think of half of a silo and tipping on its side. I've actually been to the University of Idaho. When I worked for Bowling Green as a football video coordinator, uh, we traveled for the season opener against the University of Idaho, and I will never forget the experience. First off, the altitude uh, gave me a headache the entire weekend. That was crazy. Second off, this is, this is not an exaggeration, 500 feet from the football stadium is just a, an open field where cows graze the grass. Cows are grazing the grass 500 feet from the Kibbe Dome. I mean, we are, you are in the universe. You are in Idaho, right? You are just out there. Um, but also, their football stadium is tiny. It's the same place they play their basketball games at. And it's so small, you know this, Ernest, that the walls on the ends of each end zone are maybe five feet removed from the out-of-bounds back of the end zone. I, I mean, it... The football field is 120 yards. The Kibbe Dome is probably 140 yards. I mean, it is really tight parameters, which makes it really Not hard. Not only that, David, is as opposed to South Dakota State and Northern Iowa and South Dakota, which have dome stadiums also. Yes. They don't have full goalposts. They have, like, the bottom part is removed. They have them, like, suspended hanging from the roof. They're, like, yes. Just the upper part. And, and when, when you hit the goalpost, they just shake. You're not getting a bounce off of it, right? It's moving. It sways, right? It sways back. It sways, yes. So this is all part of it. So as Eastern, Illinois, or Eastern Washington um, kicks a field goal, it goes through the uprights, hits the wall, bounces back out of the uprights, and they call the field goal no good. 
Upon review, one possession game, no good. Uh, so the University of Idaho had to issue an apology. The conference had to issue an apology. But I want to say, get this in right quick, the walls makes it really hard to have good camera angles, right? So, so the TV cameras from the end zone are impossibly steep. We're filming the football game, and to get to the top of where you had to film the football game, you had to climb a 1950s old ladder. You had no harness or anything. You had to climb maybe three or four stories up. With no with no harness or anything, they they had a little thing like metal thing around you. I guess if you fell, you'd probably hit that. It'd probably knock you out though. And so I'd carry all this camera equipment up three four stories to get to this little platform that's kind of rickety and to film the game. Most nervous I've ever been in my life. I mean, it was. And this could be easily resolved if they painted the wall black. It was terrifying, Ernest. Terrifying. But it's, it's, the wall is light gray yes. or it's very light color, right? Yes. I yes, mean, it's it just concrete. It's just concrete. You see the ball when it goes through. But if they painted the wall black, you could easily see the ball going through the goalposts. I mean, it is it is it one of the most unique stadiums It looks like ever an seen. arena football field. It does. It does. Um, also, true story, our punter at Bowling Green, when we played against them, had a 91-yard punt. Don't ask me how it happened. He actually ended up being an all-American punter, but we didn't. He was a JUCO, or he was a transfer in from a D two school walk-on guy. First game ever as a player for Bowling Green, kicks a ninety-one yard punt. Kicked it about from the back of our end zone. It hit the fifty-yard line and then just took the most ridiculous bounce, rolled all the way over to the nine-yard line. Uh, it was the craziest kick I've ever seen in my life. Um, talk about flipping the field. Um, Anyways, that's that's all I got. Kibbe Dome is a really cool, unique stadium, though. It's, I mean, it's worth checking it out if you got NCAA football or something. Also, never realized how close Washington State was to the University of Idaho. Eight miles separate them. Just another random factoid. Last story, Ernest, and then we're going to call it a night. I went to a TJ Maxx in Moscow, Idaho, where the University of Idaho is, and I found Boise State shorts on sale. I was like, well, how often am I going to be in Idaho? i got to grab some Boise State gear, right? It's Boise State. So I'm in line checking it out, and two girls from University of Idaho are standing behind me. They said, do you go to Boise State? I said, no, I don't go to Boise State. It's like, are you a tourist? I said, oh, kind of, kind of a tourist. I said, that figures. That's the only type of person who would buy those shorts in this city. The University of Idaho has a huge massive complex uh, because they got Wally pipped by Boise State in their own state. And it, it's bad. There's bad blood there. Anyways, one of the great team names of all. The Vandals. The Vandals. Yes. Yes. Anyways, that's all I got, Ernest. You got anything else? Uh, well, thank you for our listeners. Appreciate you coming in to the Pardon the Confusion, formerly hosted by David. Arnold, no, no, no. Yes. hosted by Paul Arnold. Yeah, this is probably my as soon as my dad sees how long this dad? is. Is that what we're doing? Yeah, I, hopefully not. I can't do this too often. We're lucky my kids all fell asleep before eight thirty tonight. <laughs> you just let them listen to me, and I bored them to sleep. That's yes, okay. that's right. That's right. Uh, Ernest, we can never fall asleep talking to you. Uh, I love it. Uh, all the old NBA <laughs> stories reminds me of when I was a kid sitting in the back of your truck. Driving from Carolina Hurricanes and uh, Charlotte Hornets games. 
good times, good times. Yes, they were, and and luckily they're opening up the those teams. So I hope to get to a sporting event this year. The Braves have put out their uh, promotion schedules, so I hope we can all get to sporting events. Hopefully, time, when things are safe. Time to see Lamelo Ball in person. It's time. I, I, that's my hope. But, but hey, we've all get safe. Everybody listening, vaccinate up, get your shots, so we can get the herd mentality. Wear a mask still. Even if you're in the state of Texas, wear a mask. All right, guys. This part Stay six feet apart. What's that? Stay six feet apart. Six feet apart, wear a mask. This is part of the confusion. My name is David Arnold. He's Ernest Watts. For my dad, Paul Arnold. Uh, thanks for letting me host the show, guys. Uh, hopefully you get to hear my voice again. Uh, unless you didn't like hearing my voice, and you're probably not even listening at this point. With that, good night, guys. <laughs>